Welcome to the Group of Five Focus Podcast, where we take some time each week to highlight a few significant G5 matchups and showcase the power of the Group of Five. I'm your host, Brian Doppel. This is the season two premiere episode, so I'll share some of my predictions for the 2022 season, recap action from week zero, and look forward to some week one matchups. We'll get into it after the break. All right, to kick this season off, I'd like to go ahead and share my preseason top 10 for the G5 for this season. Um, I posted this on social media already. And it's got quite a bit of uh, feedback, so I'm excited to share it with you all here. Um, and I'll go in reverse order. So uh, my preseason top 10 uh, ranked in 10th in the G5. I have UAB, the Blazers out of Birmingham. Number nine, I have SMU. Number eight, Cincinnati. Number seven, Utah State, number six, Appalachian State, number five, Boise State, number four, the UTSA Roadrunners, number three, Fresno State, number two, UCF, and number one, Houston. I also wanted to take some time to go over my preseason conference projections. Um, I, I won't go team by team because there's Lots of those to go through, so I'll just go. I'll hit some of the highlights here, and I'll start in the American Athletic Conference. Um, I'm projecting the University of Houston to finish perfect, eight and zero in the American Athletic Conference this year, and finish in first, just above UCF, who I have going seven and one, ECU finishing six and two in third, SMU at six and two in fourth, and Cincinnati in fifth at five and three. Unfortunately, I've got Temple and Tulane down at the bottom, both going four and eight overall and zero and eight in conference. I hope those projections are wrong, but that's what it looks like to me at the beginning of the season. For the CUSA, the last year that the CUSA is going to look like this, I'm projecting UTSA to finish perfect in conference at 11 and one overall and eight and zero in conference, just above UTEP, who I have projected at nine and three overall and seven and one in conference. I'm also projecting UAB to finish 7-1 in conference, but with UTEP having the tiebreaker there. I'm expecting Western Kentucky to have a good season overall at 11-2, but finishing 6-2 in conference, which puts them at fourth. And then down there at the bottom, I'm expecting uh, FIU to finish 3-9 overall and 1-7 in in conference. And unfortunately, the Owls of Rice, I'm projecting to go 1-11 and 0-8 this year. Again, hoping that They have a better season than I'm expecting, but that's what it looks like to me at this point. Now, as we move into the MAC, where things are divided into the Eastern and Western divisions, uh, we'll start with the Eastern division, where I expect Miami of Ohio to finish in first in the East at 9-3 and 7-1 in conference, uh, followed um, by Kent State by quite a large margin. I'm expecting Kent State to finish 5-7 overall and 4-4 four and four in conference. I know that Kent State was uh, voted by the coaches in the MAC to finish um, in first in the in that division, maybe in the conference overall. Um, but I just uh, I see Miami being the stronger team this year and finishing with a better overall record. Uh, finishing out the East, I've, I'm expecting Ohio to finish three and five, as well as Buffalo at three and five, um, Akron to finish one and seven, and Bowling Green down there at one and seven as well. Over in the West, I'm projecting NIU to uh, to win the West at 11 and one overall, seven and one in conference, followed closely by Toledo, who I think will be a strong contender this year as well. 
I have them finishing at nine and three and seven and one. Central Michigan, I'm anticipating having a good year as well, finishing at eight and four and six and two. And from there, Western Michigan, Ball State, and Eastern Michigan. Um, Western Michigan, I expect to have a winning season at seven and five and five and three, but Ball State and Eastern Michigan, I'm expecting both to go two and six in conference, uh, uh, struggling quite a bit in conference play. We take a look at the star-studded Mountain West Conference. Uh, we'll start in the West for this div- for this conference, uh, the Western Division. I'm expecting Fresno State to finish at eleven and one and seven and one in conference. Uh, the Bulldogs look excellent this year. Um, I, I think that they're going to capitalize on Jake Hayner returning, um, as well as some other pieces to uh, have a really great season in the Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State, another fan favorite. I have them finishing second. Um, above San Jose State, Nevada, Hawaii, and UNLV. Um, I've got Hawaii going five and eight and two and six. Um, and, but unfortunately I had I projected them winning against Vanderbilt last weekend, which did not happen. So they're gonna have to make up that extra non-conference win somewhere else, I think. Over in the Mountain Division, I'm expecting Boise State to finish at 10 and two and seven and one. Same with Utah State at 10 and two and seven and one. Air Force, I have them being a really strong contender, and uh, I was discussing this with someone uh, recently that I think Air Force can probably give Boise State a run for their money. Um, I'm expecting them to, uh, for Air Force to beat Boise State at home this year, so uh, these top three could really go anyway. I have Air Force at 10-2 and two and 6-2 and two this year, followed by Wyoming, Colorado State, and New Mexico down there at the bottom. Unfortunately, I'm projecting them to go 0-8 this season as well. Lastly, my personal favorite conference because I am a homer and I can't help it. Uh, but let's like let's take a look at the Sun Belt. Uh, we'll start in the West Division um, and starting from the bottom. Um, unfortunately, I don't think ULM is going to have a bounce back year this year. Uh, I think they're going to struggle and finish in seventh in the West, um, just below Texas State, who I think is also going to struggle. Um, I just don't think this is Texas State's year to to break into the top of the West. Uh, the rest of the teams here, I think, have a pretty decent chance to to take the West. Uh, South Alabama, I have finishing in fifth, but really a, a lot of these games I could predict uh, will be will be close ones. I think South Alabama could be a real dark horse for the Western uh, Division this year. Arkansas State, I've got finishing in fourth at four and four, as well as newcomer to the Sun Belt, Southern Miss. I'm projecting a six and six overall and a four and four in conference. Um, Southern Miss did a lot with a little last year, and I think that uh, they're they're coming in more prepared this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go if they finish the season at 500, get bowl eligible. Uh, the top two here. Um, of course, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, the reigning champs here. Um, I think that they're going to take a step back, losing Coach Billy Napier to Florida, um, as well as all of the players that he took with him and the coaching staff as well. Um, Louisiana is a strong team, and they, they're they very deep, but I think that they might take a step back this year. Um, so I have them finishing in second, even with a better overall record than Troy. Um, I think that Troy is going to, to beat Louisiana um, in the tiebreaker this year. And I think that Troy is going to win the West. Over in the East, I anticipate Georgia Southern under Clay Helton to improve from last year, but still struggle in an extremely strong Sun Belt East. So I've got them finishing in seventh at three and nine and set and one and seven. Um, I anticipate newcomers ODU to have a decent season at six and six overall, but finish three and five in the Sun Belt. Also newcomers to the FBS, James Madison University. Um, 
coming up and, and making quite a splash in their first season. Um, I have them finishing at six and five and four and four. Um, I think that JMU has a good chance to, uh, to not finish at the bottom of a strong conference this year, but something that uh, is going differently for them compared to Appalachian and Georgia Southern when they made the transition to the FBS is simply just the strength of the Sun Belt as they're coming in. I think that JMU is a great team, but I think that they're coming into the strongest, perhaps the strongest division in group of five football. And so um, they have their work cut out for them. Uh, I'm projecting Coastal Carolina to finish in fourth um, at eight and four and five and three. I'm predicting, I'm predicting uh, Georgia State, led by Sean Elliott, to have a decent season this year, going six and six in in overall play, but a strong five and three in conference. They've got a tough out of conference schedule, uh, playing South Carolina at South Carolina, hosting North Carolina, um, and playing at Army. So they're they've got a few things going against them to make this a challenging non conference schedule. But I think that they're going to do very well in conference and perhaps upset some people to finish five and three in conference. For the top two here, I've got. Uh, Marshall finishing at nine and three in an excellent uh, first uh, season in the Sun Belt. Um, I think that they are they're coming in extremely strong, and hopefully they'll get their star running back Rasheen Ali back very soon because he is a, a key part of this offense that makes this nine and three projection and six and two in conference uh, work. Without Ali, I don't know that this happens, and I could see Marshall slipping down quite a bit. Um, and I'm projecting Appalachian State to finish 11-1 overall and 8-0 in conference. I think the Apps are coming back strong this year. They have a, um, a young receiving core coming in, but they're bringing back Chase Bryce, the quarterback. They're bringing back three of the strongest running backs in the group of five, if not the country. Um, and, I, and their defense is always, it always has the next man up mentality. So even though they lost several people to the draft, I think they're going to come back just fine um, and be an extremely uh, strong team. I'm predicting their only only loss to be at Texas A&M um, because it's Texas A&M and they're playing on the road. <laughs> um, but we'll see how that goes. They're also hosting North Carolina this weekend in week one in Boone. So uh, that will be a great challenge for them to start the season as well. So those are my group of five conference projections for the year. We'll see how they go. Of course, last week on Saturday, we had the first games of the 2022 football season um, in our week zero play. So let's go ahead and recap some of uh, some of those key games that uh, were played last Saturday. Uh, first of all, the first game of the season was Austin P playing at Western Kentucky. Uh, Western Kentucky uh, survived that game, winning 38 to 27. They were led by their quarterback, Reed, who uh, transferred in, I believe, um, with the departure of Bailey Zappi at the end of his record-setting season last year, and Reed threw for 279 yards and four touchdowns and an interception. Um, their leading receiver was was Daywood Davis. Um, he had an excellent day uh, getting six receptions for 124 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was a big difference maker, um, and Western Kentucky was able to come back in the fourth quarter to... Uh, defeat Austin P. They scored 17 points to get this win, uh, and they won by 11 there. Um, and again, 17 of those in the fourth quarter. So uh, starting off the season 1-0 were the Hilltoppers. Charlotte also went down to Florida to play Florida Atlantic, um, and 
what I projected would be a win for the 49ers turned out to be a blowout loss. Florida Atlantic uh, started starts out the season 1-0 overall and 1-0 in conference after defeating Charlotte 43-13 to uh, in what was just an ugly game. At halftime, FAU was winning 26-7, and it didn't get any better for Charlotte from there. Another game I predicted wrong, where uh, North Texas went out to El Paso to play UTEP in the Sun Bowl. I thought UTEP would hold a, hold down the uh, home field advantage there, but UNT got the win 31-13 to um, in a great game out there in West Texas. We also had a number of uh, Mountain West teams play uh, last Saturday. Um, Idaho State was hosted by UNLV, uh, where and the Rebels of UNLV got the win there, 52-21, behind a dominant uh, performance by quarterback Doug Brumfield, uh, who passed for 356 yards. That's uh, a great way to start the season for the Rebs. Uh, UConn went to Utah State, and after a a difficult start, it seemed like the Aggies got things under control against the Huskies, um, and Utah State got the win at home to start the season. Also playing in the Mountain West on Saturday was Wyoming as they traveled to play at Illinois, a game that I thought that the Cowboys would be a little more competitive in, but unfortunately they lost 38-6 on the road. Nevada played at New Mexico State, who's under new coach Jerry Kill this year, Um, and I also thought that New Mexico State would put up a little more of a fight here, but uh, Nevada beat the Aggies uh, 23-12. And lastly, Vanderbilt traveled across the ocean to Hawaii in a game where I expected Hawaii to win, but unfortunately Vanderbilt flexed their SEC muscles and defeated Hawaii 63-10. to Okay, let's get to this week's matchups. All right, going into week one, the official week one, there are a few key G5 games to keep an eye on this week. Uh, First of which is on Saturday, where number 23 ranked Cincinnati goes to play at number 19 Arkansas in Fayetteville. That's on 3.30 at 3.30 on Saturday. Um, Also, number 24 Houston travels to UTSA in what is sure to be an excellent showdown um, between these two uh, very good G5 teams. Also, some more G5 on G5 action here. We've got Tulsa traveling to Wyoming on Saturday, as well as SMU going to North Texas in an in-state rivalry game between these two Texas teams. In Conference USA this week, on Saturday, UTEP travels to number 9 Oklahoma to cause a, a, a big stir if they can pull off the upset there. We've also got Florida Atlantic going to Ohio uh, to take on the Bobcats in some CUSA versus MAC week one action. Middle Tennessee State will be traveling to James Madison University in JMU's first FBS game. And Western Kentucky takes the trip across the pond over to Hawaii to see what they can do against the Rainbow Warriors. In the MAC, Central Michigan is going to Oklahoma State, ranked number 12 in the country right now, to see if they can pull off the upset in Boone Pickens Stadium. Ball State's going to Tennessee to try to do the same, while Toledo hosts Long Island University, and Northern Illinois hosts Eastern Illinois. 
Those games are all on Thursday, while on Friday, Western Michigan will go to number 15, Michigan State, not too far down the road, uh, to see if they can do some damage against the Spartans. Meanwhile, on Saturday, Buffalo goes to Maryland in what I think might be a winnable game for for Buffalo. While Bowling Green goes to UCLA, and as I mentioned earlier, Florida Atlantic goes to Ohio. Also heading down south is Miami as they travel to number 20, Kentucky in Lexington to see if they can take down the Wildcats. And to wrap things up here in the Mountain West, we've got none other than Utah State traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on number one Alabama on Saturday, September 3rd at 7.30 p.m. Hoping to pull off the perhaps the uh, the most sensational of upsets. And lastly, there's a lot going on in the Sun Belt this weekend. Virginia Tech is traveling to Old Dominion uh, to take on the Monarchs on Friday evening. So if you've got nothing going on on Friday, uh, I would check out ODU host, hosting in-state rival Virginia Tech. That'll be a great game out there in Norfolk. Troy is heading across state lines to take on number 21 Ole Miss. As I mentioned earlier, James Madison is hosting Middle Tennessee in their uh, FBS opener, while Coastal Carolina hosts Army. Southern Miss hosts Liberty, uh, in what's sure to be a, a good game there. And Georgia State goes to South Carolina, while UL Monroe goes to Texas. Something I'd like to do new this season is share with you a couple of rivalries that will be played each week. Uh, these are historic rivalries. Uh, they've usually got good nicknames, uh, lots of um, lots of tension, lots of hatred even, um, and, and are sure to provide excellent matchups uh, for fans and teams alike. Uh, so the first one that I'm excited about this week is the Safeway Bowl classic uh, matchup between North Texas and SMU that dates all the way back to 1922. Um, And these two, these teams have played 41 times since then. Uh, The overall record goes to SMU at 34, six and one. um, And SMU has won the last three. So this is a, this is a good game for, uh, for those in-state Texas rivalries. Um, I think that uh, this could go. This could go either way this year. I do have SMU with a slight edge, but but North Texas could easily pull this thing off um, again this year. So um, looking forward to see who uh, who wins the Safeway Bowl this year between North Texas and SMU. Um, also being played this year is uh, the famous rivalry between Louisiana and Southeast Louisiana for the Cypress Mug. The first meeting between these two teams goes all the way back to 1930. Um, their latest meeting was was back in 2017, where Louisiana only defeated Southeastern Louisiana 51, 51 to 48, a slim three-point margin uh, between what was then Louisiana, you know, a Sun Belt team versus Southeastern Louisiana, a small FCS team um, out of uh, Hammond, Louisiana. Um, they play in the Southland Conference. Um, so it wasn't long ago that Southeast Louisiana, Southeastern Louisiana, gave the Raging Cajuns a run for their money, and they play again for the first time in five years this weekend.
to round out this first episode of the 22 season, I'm going to share uh, a little context, a little information about a couple of games that I'm excited to watch this weekend. Um, my first one is the matchup of the week, um, and then I'll also go into my big time upset. I'll make a prediction uh, for, for that upset as well. But as I said, we're going to start with my matchup of the week. And this week, that honor goes to the App State Mountaineers hosting the UNC Tar Heels here in beautiful Boone, North Carolina, where I'm sitting right now. Uh, this game is on Saturday the 3rd at 12 p.m. Eastern at Kid Brewer Stadium in Boone. And you can watch it on ESPNU if you're not there in person. That is to say, if you couldn't afford the $500 tickets to see it in person. Um, Carolina is coming in at 1-0, having played uh, Florida A&M University last week. They got a, a nice win, uh, and their new quarterback, May, uh, passed for five touchdowns. Um, however, the Tar Heels allowed 24 points uh, to Florida A&M, so um, I'm assuming Appalachian will be able to score a little bit more than that if FAMU is able to, to get that many on them. Um, historically, App and Carolina have only played twice. Uh, their first matchup was in 1940, uh, where Carolina won uh, pretty handily. But most recently, they played in Chapel Hill uh, in 2019, uh, where Appalachian got a, a, a nice win on the road there at Carolina. Um, a couple of players to keep an eye out on uh, for this game. For, for Appalachian, it's really, for me on offense, it's the running game. The, the running back core of Nate Noel, Cam Peoples, uh, uh, Daedric Harrington, as well as um, a couple of other younger guys. Uh, these, these guys are, this running back room is uh, extremely deep. And as long as the O-line can make the space, uh, like like they do, <laughs> like 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 they always do. Um, I think they're in good shape, but uh, but that'll be something to keep an eye on, um, as well as quarterback Chase Chase Bryce passing to um, a youngish wide receiver core. Um, App lost their three starting wide receivers in the offseason, uh, whether it's to the NFL or otherwise, and uh, and so seeing how these new wide receivers come in as first stringers, uh, they're not new; they've been around the program, but. Um, Starting starting the game at first string is a bit of a different a different beast. So to see how they adjust there, that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. On the defensive side, um, App is uh, defensive back university, right? It's DBU all the way. Uh, Nick Hampton and Trey Cobb. Uh, Trey Cobb last year had 72 tackles, six of them for loss, four passes defended, and three interceptions. Um, those two guys are going to be, in my, in my opinion, they're going to be running that defense as well as cornerback Steven Jones, who last year had 72 tackles, eight passes defended and five interceptions, um, as well as defensive tackle Jordan Earl holding things down on the defensive line. Uh, he's the veteran on that line. And so he's going to be one to keep an eye on as well. I uh, look forward to seeing him get into the backfield and, uh, push that Carolina quarterback around a little bit. So, uh, according to ESPN's football power index, uh, they've got UNC with a 54.6% chance to win this game, um, but I think that App is going to uh, is going to win this game. 35 to 23 is my prediction. Um, I drive past the football stadium every day on my way to work, and they put in those temporary bleachers down there, uh, adding 10,000 seats to the stadium. I think that Carolina has no clue what they're coming into. Uh, coming into Boone uh, this weekend, so I think App is going to pull off the win um, in in pretty great, pretty big in pretty big fashion here. Um, thus, just confirming what they already believe, which is that they are the best football team in North Carolina. So, uh, look forward to seeing that on Saturday. That is my matchup of the week. 
Each week I also share a matchup that I'm putting on upset alert. Uh, and this matchup always contains at least one team ranked in the top 25 or AP, or granted at least a 70% chance to win according to ESPN's Football Power Index. So this week, the team that I predict will upset their opponent is ECU in their matchup against number 13 NC State. This matchup is on Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in Greenville, North Carolina, and you can watch it on ESPN. ESPN's Football Power Index has NC State with a 74.8% chance to win this game, but I think their season is going to get off to a rocky start. Here's why. Neither of these teams have played yet this season, which I think gives ECU quite a bit of an advantage. Uh, that, along with being at home at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium in a uh, historic rivalry, uh, these two teams have played a number of times. In fact, they've played 31 times, um, with NC State having the slight edge, 18 to 13 in those matchups, um, and they've won the last two as well, including the largest margin of victory uh, at 58 to 3 back in 2018. But this Pirates team is not the same as 2018 ECU team. They're playing at home. They're playing a huge rival in NC State. This game is, uh, it, it is, in fact, a historic rivalry. They're playing for the victory barrel over in Greenville this weekend. So I'm anticipating um, a big ECU fan turnout. I think they're going to stay the whole time. They're going to get loud. Um, and NC State, even though they're coming to the season ranked, one of their most anticipated seasons in a very long time uh, for the Wolfpack, I just think uh, I think the ECU is going to have an edge because of the home field advantage and because of the early season matchup, where neither team has seen uh, has seen much of each other um, yet this season. Specifically on the Pirates, um, I'm looking at quarterback Horton Allers. Um, I think that um, if they're going to have any success, of course the offense runs through the quarterback, so he's one to watch, as well as a running back duo of Mitchell and Harris. They are uh, they're an excellent duo. I think that um, especially Harris, I think, is, has an opportunity to do some uh, to to step up quite a bit and support Mitchell as well this year. They've also got a wide receiver um, transfer out of Toledo, Isaiah Winstead, um, who I think is looking to to make some big moves uh, with the Pirates this season. So I would look for him to make a big splash out of the gate uh, this season. On defense, they've got a number of guys ready ready to go, uh, lined up, ready to eat up some Wolfpack, um, including defensive end Rick Diabreau, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, and I apologize, uh, as well as um, defensive tackle Elijah Morris, defensive end Xavier Smith, and cornerback Malik Fleming. I think all of these guys could be uh, impact players on the defensive side for the Pirates. Um, my big-time upset prediction is that ECU will beat North Carolina State 30-27, to and that's my Group of Five upset alert of the week. Thanks for joining me this week on the Group of Five Focus podcast. Do you agree or disagree with my picks? Did I miss any historic rivalries? Do you have any suggestions for upcoming matchups that I should break down? Reach out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at G5FPod to join the conversation and let me know. And if you haven't already, please follow, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice, and be sure to share it with your favorite Group of Five fans. That's all for this week on the Group of Five Focus podcast. Until next time, my question for you is, what is one thing you can do to showcase the power of the Group of Five? Five.